hello, hello, and welcome to my TV show. <laughs> I see her. She's yellow balloon snugglies. Hello, mother. I sent you a request. So uh, you should be able to just see it and click it. Ah. Oh. Oh. Hi. This is just funny. <laughs> you did so good. Well, dad was behind me helping me. He would. He's a good helper that way. He's a good help. He's done all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he is. How are you? I'm doing good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, trying to stay warm. It's cold. See, we just came back in from we're doing our 1,000 hours. And so yeah. I'm a little chilly now, too, because we were out there for three hours. So, but it was, I know. Is that the one where Annie was cracking the ice with a stick? Yes. And she, that like. That really cool. It was cool. But, like, you know, I was like, <clears throat> um, because she just kept getting closer. And to one oh. point, like she's, because it's icy, so she slid and I had, a, and I grabbed her hat. It was, and then she was mad at me for the rest of the time. But I'm like, you almost died. It's <laughs> not good. So oh, she's, she's just adventurous like you. She is. And she was climbing trees all the way to the top today. And then like that made Gunner mad because Gunner wanted to be the one that's in, you know, the top things too. So, you know, it's the whole thing. But yeah, yeah you know. But I let's, I want to talk about you, mom. I don't want to talk about me. <laughs> come on. Um, so first, I think, um, since we are live and that we have friends here to be with us, um, I just want you to kind of introduce who you are. Who is Carolyn? Whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Audrey's mama. Does that count? It does count. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh. I was born a long time ago, 1954. It's a long time. So I am 66 years old. Um, I'm a cancer survivor. Yes. Um, I have six lovely daughters <laughs> and one son. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy sewing and making journals, photo, photo journalists. I don't like to write in a journal like you do, Audrey. I read a journal from back in the day of yours. Do you, do you know that? Oh, that was interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't do it as much as you do, but. No. And I like to, um, I like to explore and see things. And I like to cook. I like to You're a really good cook. I really like to eat. <laughs> I think we all like so. to eat, but you're an excellent cook mom. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. nice of you. So um, I teach a lesson at church over Zoom, which is a challenge. I um, try to think of whatever. That's me. Well, that's, I, that's a lot of your hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to know, I'm going to make you be deep with me, mom. And I okay. warned you a little bit before, too. So you always you, do that. I know. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but, um, well, I feel like I'm really short here. But so when you say, because you, you have a lot of different hobbies and different things like that. 
that you do, that you've always done your whole life with us. Like it was always been like, we knew yeah. that you sewed when you were like, when we were younger, like you made us all of these outfits, but you did that as a teenager too. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So yeah. tell me a little bit more about your sewing. Well, it really kind of started. This is how I remember it. My mother always had a sewing machine and she fiddled with it here and there, but the things she made were a little odd. Your mom, though. <laughs> Your mom. Yeah. So I remember one time we wanted Easter dresses because, you know, at Easter, you got to get a new Easter dress to go to church in, right? Yeah. So Marlene and I wanted Easter dresses, and my mom said, there's the sewing machine. Go sew yourself an Easter dress. So that's kind of when Marlene and I started sewing. Yeah. And I think we just kind of looked through some of my mom's patterns and some stuff she had laying around. And we came up with some kind of Easter dress. And we thought we were really cool. I bet it was really cool. So, yeah. So I always was interested in that because when I did that, it was really fun. Yeah. I liked the outcome. It was probably pretty stupid. But. Whatever. You, I've seen pictures of you in, back in the day. And you were a hot mama. And you, like, with your yellow dresses that you sewed, like, you you were very stylish. Because uh, it didn't look like, it didn't look like somebody that just was learning how to sew. The uh, things that I saw with all of the different stuff that you did. Well, I remember um, taking classes in junior high. I took yeah. a sewing class. It was home ec. Yeah. And you had cooking, and you had sewing, and you had, you know, different things. So I took a sewing class in junior high. I thought that was pretty cool. I think I made an apron or something like that. Yeah. But I had a teacher in junior high that was really strict about how we sewed things. Really? So I feel like she taught me to be kind of particular about how things are sewn. But I have to tell you this one time, I was hand sewing a hem. And I could never get it right because the whole idea was you're not supposed to see the stitches. So I would, I sewed it and I'd take it in there and she would say, nope, go do it again. Unpick it, go do it again. And so, so I went home. This is awful. But I went home and it was when uh, ham tape was just coming out and you could iron it on because we had to sew it with the ham tape. Right. So, um, which was like a ribbon to go around the hem. Yeah. So I went home and I hemmed it and I ironed on the tape. And it, of course it, it was the hem. And I took it to school and she said, finally, <laughs> you finally got. <laughs> so but see what you did though, is that you found a solution, right? That oh, was. Yeah. It's better for you, you know? So that's... Well, and then I learned that you can't be perfect. Right. You know, that it's okay to just do as much as you can do. Right. But she did teach me to really look at my stuff carefully. And yeah. then, when I went to, then when I went to high school, yeah, I took sewing class too. And um, we had a fashion show. To show off the things we sewn, and I think I made a dress. 
and we walked across the stage and everything. So that's that's kind of when I started my sewing. Yeah. My enjoyment of sewing. Yeah. Why? And do you think that the reason you sewed for us when we were younger is because it was just the enjoyment of it? Because you sewed all, well, I mean, we had matching outfits. Yes. Yes. I, like our like first day of school pictures, we were all in that. We, everybody knew who the Corbridges were because we were all in matching outfits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought, I think a lot of it was necessity. Right. Because back then, clothes were more expensive than fabric. Really? Sometimes I feel like fabric is kind of more expensive. Now. Yeah. You know, now. But I did enjoy it. Yeah. I did enjoy sewing for you. And you never got to wear them until the first day of school. Oh, I know. I remember. Yeah. So I think you I just sewed them and lined them up. Yeah. I'd sew them and line them up against the wall. And, this is what you're wearing the first day of school. Let's hope it fits. <laughs> That's good. My, so. How did you, how were you able, because I have three kids and I lose my mind. Um, and so, um, so how were you able to be, because you were a stay-at-home mom, how were you able to accomplish the things that you wanted to do for yourself and still um, be able to raise all of us at the same time? Well, I did a lot of sewing during nap time, and I put you guys to bed early <laughs> at 8 o'clock. Sometimes I could get away with 7.30. Yeah. Put you guys to bed early and I would sew then. Uh, I would tell you go play. Yeah, yeah you, we, we were very independent. I do remember that. It was yeah. just like get out, go. But we lived, yeah. we lived all around in different places because dad was in the army. But we would live um, in places that had kind of um, like wooded areas or we would catch frogs or we would come in the house just muddy and it was just more of like yeah. you, you just you just like get out let us have our own time but I yeah. enjoyed that so much um because it was it just allowed us to explore different things I mean we you were it was you would not even get mad at us like I remember when we lived up in like the Pierce place and we had blackberry bushes and we would we would take all the blackberries and that the white part in the back of the house. Do you remember? We would just take all the blackberries and just squish them up on the walls and paint pictures. And it was never like an issue for you for that kind of stuff. Do you think that that was just because you needed your own sanity, or that was like a you did it on purpose that way? You know, I don't know that I thought to myself, I'm going to let the kids go take the blackberries and paint the walls. Yeah. So I don't think it was ever, I mean, we did a lot of exploring and stuff together, but when you guys were outside playing, you were outside playing. Yeah. So um, it could be a lot of my sanity. Yeah. Just having the kids out of the house and, you know, using your imagination. Yeah. Was it like that for you when you were growing up, when you were younger? Like how, was your parents that way with you too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, when when I was younger, we would go play. I lived on 7th and Grant by Lynn School, if anyone remembers <laughs> that area back in the day. Um, anyway, I would go out at the beginning of the morning, like about 10 o'clock, and ride my bike. That was my favorite thing. This was in the summer. 
yeah. that was my favorite thing is to ride my bike and the cars would make the street bumpy because it yeah. was so hot. So I'd ride over the bumps. And anyway, I would go do that. And then I would go to Fourth Street Park and climb around on the hill. <clears throat> and there was a clay area that you could make clay. And there was a ditch that we would play in. No adult supervision at all. We just yeah. were out there. I mean, this was when I was, you know, seven, eight. Yeah. There, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, and I would play for hours and hours and hours. Sometimes with my friends, but a lot of times just me. Yeah. And um, we just noticed that the street lights started going on. And it's time to come home. Yeah. Because it was getting dark. Yeah. Well, you would whistle for us when we would get home. Yeah. Remember? The little, I and I whistle. I do that for my dogs now. Like the same whistle. <laughs> but that's like I was telling Wyatt the other day. I said, that's how we knew when we would come home. Like I would just yeah. go and go down blocks and streets away and you would whistle and we would come home and we would eat or you'd whistle when it was yeah. lunchtime. With uh, dinner, yeah. We eat dinner and then we were fine. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. I just finished reading this book just barely before I, I came on. Um, it's called Balanced and Barefoot. And it's literally, it's a, a um, an occupational therapist who wrote a book and it was talking about how outdoor play is vital for children, especially um, play where your parents are not supervising you, right? Because then it allows them the, the ability to have freedom and to, to think in, of it, in their own imagination, in their own mind, um, and create their own things without like, oh, is mom going to like tell me no? Or is she going to like get shocked if, you know, I almost fall in a river like Annie today. You know what I mean? So yeah. like um, just that kind of stuff. And so it's interesting because um, I think as we grow, and especially how we, people, they was talking about how, oh, now times is just so... Um, scary out there and there's just so, so many yep. different things out there um and and you can't do that but it kind of contradicted itself a lot where it was like well it, but it's not because we just assume that it's that way or we think it's that way because we don't see other parents or other kids out there um and we don't allow to have that kind of free play so it was interesting to read that and to remember like there was so much that i did in my childhood in that sense that you just gave us so much independence and so much freedom to just explore in all manners of of things like you would let us paint our rooms whatever color we wanted and dye our hair if we wanted to dye our hair um you know you got you bought me purple contacts when i was like in sixth grade and it was like not a big deal <laughs> and so it's just it's i enjoyed that fact that you were that you allowed us to be so independent um on that and so i think it's interesting me being a mother now like um how it's just like did I, I don't think that I ever made necessarily choices to make my kids independent. I just enjoyed the freedom that I, that I received from you that allowed me to have that same independence. Um, you know, and so that's been a, a blessing for, for me on that sense too. So um, as you being like, cause we, before we chatted, like before I, when I was like, mom, I want to talk to you about everything on live. Um, I, I'm growing up in, in my own generation where like women work and different things, but you said, that's how it was too. People made the decision. Women made the decision in, in, in my time too, but I made the decision to stay at home. Can yeah. you talk a little bit more about that? Cause that's so different for me. Cause like I have to work to have sanity. Like yeah. I need time and space away from my children where you like, it was opposite. Why is that? Well, I felt like a mother's place was at home. Yeah. That the children were the happiest yeah when mom was there 
I remember my mom always being there. And yeah. it's so crazy. Sometimes I would come home from school and she wasn't there. And I would go through the whole house, Mom, Mom, where yeah. are you? And it would frighten me to death that she wasn't there. Yeah. So I just felt like the best kind of teaching and learning and not like school learning, but okay. learning about life and stuff. I don't know. Love, you know, give and take kind of thing was best with mom there. Yeah. So I really felt important that I should be at home. And there were a lot of times it was really boring. Yeah. And a lot of times you guys drove me nuts. Yeah. And I would kick you outside. <laughs> yeah. Or I would say, knock it off, go clean the garbage wall. Oh, yeah. So Never I, felt, I felt like it was really important. Yeah. To have the kids home. And, you know, we had to sacrifice because, I mean, dad was going to school. I already had five kids when dad went to school full time for his nursing degree. Right. And so we sacrificed a lot of food and stuff. But I don't know. Stuff doesn't mean too much to me. No. I, I kind of like my big screen TV, though. <laughs> well, now. Now you do. Yeah. But no, but stuff didn't mean anything to to me either. And I and even still to this day it's I'm like I I'd rather have memories. Like you gave us yeah. memories. We went on a vacation every year. Yeah. I don't know how we did that. I have no idea. But we did every year. Dad probably paid for it every year <laughs> for years and years every year. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that he still paid for our vacation. I'm still paying for those vacations. Uh, yeah. But we, we always worked it out somehow to yeah. go somewhere to be together away from, yeah. you know, later on you guys had phones and yeah. radios with earphones in your ears. And, you know, <laughs> it was good just to be away from all that and just right. get along. Although sometimes our vacations were a little uh, spicy. But it was, it was, we but, did road trips, let's specify. We never went on planes. No. I never went on a vacation that I went on a plane. But by the time everybody else left, you guys, the younger kids got to do that. And I was very upset about it. But we, wait, did, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't you go to New York with us on a plane? Oh, yes. Okay. I did do New York. That's and, right. I forgot. Disney, but I forgot that was on a plane. And Disneyland on a plane. Okay. Get together. All right. Two times. But yeah, they weren't expensive vacations. No, but we, we did road trips. Yeah. And, and you would make snack bags. Yeah. And we would have that big white van. And we'd all get in it. And it was just fun. And we would. I don't know how you deal with <laughs> And that was when seat belts weren't a big deal. No. We fold down the seats, and yeah. you guys would just all lay down there and take a nap and yeah, play games and have fellow fights and yeah, it was good. It was enjoy. I, it was wonderful. Yeah. And we but sang we, songs. Yeah, we sang songs. It was good. It was. Yeah. I remember road trips were great. It was yeah. all. It was always fun. You always gave us the um, a childhood where we were able to see the value in being together, which was nice. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's important to become friends. Yeah. And I also wanted you to experience different things. Yeah. I mean, I wanted you to, to see history mm -hmm. and to see nature. Mm -hmm. And then you could make your choice what things interest you. Right. Yeah. Um. No, but let's, when we're talking about you being a mother, it took you a long time to become one. Yeah. 
I don't think it, nobody knows this story. You want to talk a little bit about that? Long time. So growing up my whole entire life, I wanted to just get married to this amazing, handsome prince. So you've been with my dad since you were 14. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then have a large family. Mm -hmm. So we got married. I was 20. Dad was 21. So in nowadays, that seems young. But back then, that was kind of old. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of girls got married around 18 right out of high school. Yeah. But anyway, um, we waited and waited and waited, and no babies were coming. It was really hard because a lot of my friends had babies. Yeah. And Liddell, yeah. my sister-in-law, bless her heart, was having babies every day. <laughs> and so... It was really depressing. It was really hard. How many years was it for you? Well, we adopted. It was five years after we were married that we adopted. But it was nine years that I had homemade babies. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, was, it was a long time. So in those five years, how did you handle not being able to have children before you adopted? And, what, and, and how, did it, how did you come to the decision of adoption? Um, I think I handled it by just realizing that someday, just having hope. Yeah. Just having hope that someday I would, that, you know, my life would be blessed with children. I just had that hope and faith. And um, what was the other? How did you come to the decision of adoption? Oh, of adopting. Um, because we went to the doctor and found out that it was dad's fault. Totally dad, no. I'm sure I had some stuff. In, but he didn't have a sperm count. He had a low sperm count. And so they told us at that time, and this was when we were in California, living there, they told us that there would be no way that we would ever have kids. So we're just like, okay, so we can either go and never have kids, or maybe we can adopt. And actually, dad was a little more, I don't want to adopt. Yeah. You know, he was a little more off that side. And it took me forever for him to, because we had to write a personal history and do all this paperwork. And it took him a while to get that done. But yeah, that's, that's when I decided was, I'm not going to have kids if I don't do something about it. Right. So. So you kind of, you took kind of the reins of it and, and, and was like, okay, if I can't have kids the natural way, and I've done everything that I can, and I'm, I'm in this relationship, I've been married to this guy for a long time, I've been with him since he was 14, that's, that's, uh, we're in this together, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily me um, having that issue, but still, for the fact that I'm continuing to marry him, I got to figure out how I'm going to have children, and what the best steps are. So like, how did you hear about adoption? How was that even like, how did you come to, like, to terms of doing that? Because that would, that's, and, and maybe even coming to terms with that, maybe not necessarily being on the same page with you, that it took him a while. Like, how did you convince him to say, hey, this is the, the step that we need to take. This is why I think this is what we need to take. Well, I think it's interesting when uh, you can't have kids, all of a sudden you find all these people that can't have kids too. Hmm. <laughs> and so we just saw people adopting kids. Yeah, you know, like at church or our friends, and this was in California. And then um, 
so you know you treat me well why don't we adopt you know and so we came back to utah and we seriously thought about adopting men and dad dad was agreement on that you know yeah because we bought a home in roy we were settled right dad had a good job you know it's like okay let's adopt but we knew it would cost a lot of money yeah so um then we had joined an adoption group it was LDS Social Services at the time. And they had a, it was the, oh, Dad says it was before then. Oh. So, okay, he's, re- <laughs> he's reminding me that we put the application in the church and we hadn't paid the fee yet. Oh, okay. Okay, so it was after we adopted that we joined the adoption group. Oh, okay. Okay, so anyway, we both just decided we wanted to have kids. And I would see people around, you know, friends and family and stuff with their kids, and it was fun. Was and, that, and it was hard for you to be around them? Did, was there moments yeah. in, in time where you didn't go around people because of that? No, I went anyway. Hmm. I went anyway. But I hated Mother's Day. That was the worst day ever. I hated Mother's Day. Yeah. But I always went, you know, and in church, I don't know, you know, the LDS church, you would stand up and they'd give you a flower if you were a mother. Yeah. And I never could stand up. I was never a mother. So it was really hard. Yeah. How did you deal with, how did you deal with those emotions? Because I know that, I know you as a strong woman and you've been through so much different things, but. Like here, people on Instagram, maybe they're struggling with those types of things. Like what advice could you give to them? Because I mean, you went five years without having children and, and, and some, in a desperate way wanted them. So what was it that you knew? Like you said, yeah, you did hope and stuff, but what, what happened in those moments when you were in the despair, when it was difficult for you because you couldn't stand up at your church when everybody else was being honored as a mother and you were not able to do that. What was it that you held on to and what, what did you say to yourself in those moments of despair? Hmm. Um, probably why me? Yeah. Why me? I would see all the time people getting pregnant, you know, and they were awful parents, awful mothers. And why me? I, I'll take your kids and take them yeah. in. Why am I the one that doesn't get to have the kids? It's not right. fair. Right. Not fair. So then I think my faith helped. I would pray a lot. Yeah. And dad was an amazing friend and husband. And so he, you know, we would comfort each other together. And um, we just went on a lot of adventures and did a lot of things you can't do when you have kids. Right. I didn't realize it at the time. (laughs) doing all yeah. these things but you can't haul your kids all over to these uh, these places as right. much as we were going so he was you know uh, going to mortuary school and so we lived in california and so you know we went to the beach and we right. explored and... so you occupied you occupied your time with different yeah. things yeah and maybe found your guys your guys selves in in a relationship where you were learning how to be married at this point and figuring out how to move forward. And that was something of a sense of comfort that you could have in those moments when maybe it was difficult where you couldn't handle the fact that you couldn't have children. Uh, And so it took you five years to make the the decision that you were going to adopt. 
Do you, yeah. it, um, do you think that it, it took you that long because you were just hoping that you would have your kids naturally? Yeah. And, that, and then when you came to that conclusion of, well, I'm not having na my kids naturally. It's just not here. It's just not happening. Um, yeah. Was it, it, was it as simple? Like, just like, okay, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to find adoption papers. So I'm going to figure that out. So you took it upon yourself to like research all of those things and make the decision. If I can't have children, naturally this is the way that i'm going to do and have these children um yep. and i'm going to be blessed in that sense how long from that point when you put in your paperwork and you and you got dad on board and you guys paid your fees and you joined the group or whatever from that point how how long was it that you applied until you received um ben well it was interesting because we just put our papers into the adoption agency and we were waiting you know, waiting, that's what you do is wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Yeah, we hadn't even got paid the fees and got in officially yet. Okay. And, um, then I was working at ZCMI. Mm -hmm. and, and, and another thing I did that whole time I was waiting for babies is I worked. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. And I worked, I just like department managers and stuff and personnel manage. I just like this big time. Growing up, going up in the company. <laughs> But anyway, um, so Lonnie, my friend, worked for a lawyer. And so she told me about this mother that was placing her baby for adoption. And that's how our first adoption happened, by word of mouth. Yeah. So I, was, I wasn't even in an adoption agency at that time. Right. So it just kind of fell into our lap. So it would have been, you, you got Ben what, like a couple months in after you made the decision to adopt? Or was it like a year or so? No, it was more like, it was more like a year. Yeah. He's shaking his head. Over yeah. So, so yeah, it was more like yeah. a year. So you adopted Ben and then you, and then you had two other kids that you did with the adoption. And then after you had Rachel, what happened after that? Well, after I had Rachel, so yeah, you adopted. I, I can't. I can't explain it. We were in the military at the time, right? And Dad was doing physical work, which made his health better, better because he was right. physically fit. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. The stars aligned. We had a miracle, and I I was starting to feel kind of sick, nauseated, and stuff like that. And Dad said, "I bet you're pregnant." I'm like, because. I never had a normal menstrual cycle. Right. So being late or whatever never made any difference to me. Right. So in the military, you know, I thought, well, okay, let's just go and check it out. Why not? Yeah. And so um, I went there and they're like, oh, my goodness, lady, you're pregnant. <laughs> so they, they called in the other doctors and they all came over and said, well, I can't believe it. And, so I, we never did anything medically mm -hmm. or had a schedule or, you know, right. your temperature and find out when you're ovulating and all that stuff. Right. It just, it was a miracle. It just right. happened. And then you had four of us. Naturally, yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. I had a and then you. Oh, so much. You're lucky you have me. I waited for a long time to get to you. You did. You were waiting up there going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What?
Yeah, uh, the military issued a daughter every time we moved in. <laughs> every time we moved. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's how that went. Good. Uh, all right. So great. So then you had all of these kids. You were you made the decision to stay home, and you did really well. And we, you know, we grew up fine. Um, and then and then let's can we talk about your cancer, mom? Yeah. Yeah. Tell definitely. me about that. I'm going to let you lead that conversation. What What makes you comfortable about that? Oh, it's fine. Um, it's just weird because I worked uh, on a playground. Yeah. And I, w I did physical kind of work. I mean, right. I had to get all the equipment, out, all the balls, and jump yeah. ropes, and hula hoops, and all the equipment out every morning. And it was physically, you know, I felt like, oh. Yeah. You know, and then I walked the playground about four miles every day. Yeah. But I just started getting tired. And I thought, well, I'm getting old. You know, I'm pushing 65. And I just thought I'm getting old. And where I was used to, uh, like, go and, like, do some shopping and then come home, you know. And, but I couldn't even go shopping. I was so yeah. tired. I'd have to come home and take a nap. And then I'd go grocery shopping. Yeah. Anyway, so it was like... Like one day I was feeling wonderful and the next day I didn't feel good. So it was just so confusing to me. And I thought it was my gallbladder because uh, I was told that my gallbladder was inflamed and that I would eventually need to get it out. So I just thought it was that. So we go to the doctor and she says, it was just a, a general practitioner, and she said, your liver functions are just off the charts so you need to get your gallbladder out so I go to a surgeon and he has me have a MRI and he goes oh <laughs> you know and we're like what do you mean by oh. yeah you know he sees he sees a growth or a tumor there and I lost a ton of weight which I thought was kind of cool <laughs> But I started getting nauseated and sick, and I started turning yellow. Yeah. And my eyes were yellow. So that was really, really kind of scary. But, you know, it's, it's so weird because you can't control what your body is doing. Right. It just doesn't. Right. You know, I, I wanted to say, stop. I don't want to feel like this anymore. But it just kept doing it. Yeah. So the first time that we really knew that they said the C word to me. Yeah, was uh, I was scheduled to see uh, the surgeon and he he was a surgeon that uh, had told me uh, that I was told anyway, that he could take out this tumor. It was in a very delicate place in my um, bile duct. And so he was a surgeon that could do it. He's done that before and he could do it. So when we went to the surgeon, he said, OK, since you have cancer in your bile duct, we're like, Okay, so that was the first time we heard the cancer word. So no one, no one sat me down and said, you have cancer. Really? No. That's no. frustrating. Yeah. So dad and I walked out of there like, well, I guess we have cancer. You know, and so we were, but we were hopeful because the surgeon was hopeful. And so then uh, 
I was normally a person that never took off work and I would always come to work, but I called yeah. in all the time. I said, I can't come to work anymore. I just can't do it. And I finally, the year went by, May went by the end of May and school was out and I hadn't even returned to school yet. Yeah. So I never got to finish out my school year of 2019. Yeah. So anyway, um, the surgeon goes in, everyone's hopeful. And what I remember, because they, they gave me a block and all this stuff, but I remember waking up in the, uh, in recovery. And I remember I looked up at the doctor and I said, well, did we get it? And he said, no, no, I couldn't get it. And he said, we opened you up and you were full of cancer. It was everywhere. It was in your liver. It was in your gallbladder. They did take my gallbladder out, but it was all over. It had spread. So it was terminal cancer. And I remember, because he was so hopeful. Yeah. And I remember he said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. And I actually felt bad for him. <laughs> I didn't feel so bad for me. I felt bad for him. But that's when I knew that my life was going to be totally different. Yeah. And so that was, that was hard. That was hard. So when I recovered from the surgery, I never, ever felt good. Yeah. They tried to put a stent in me. This was before surgery. And they couldn't get it in. And I remember the technician, and they put it in through radiology. And this is like a little tube that goes from my bile duct to my liver so I could um, get rid of my my jaundice, my yellow. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember that the surgeon, he, he came to me and he said, I don't, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't get this tube through your tumor. Yeah. And he said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so he went away. And I remember I just prayed and prayed and prayed. I said, please help him to know what to do for me. <laughs> please don't let this be hopeless. And so he came back. I remember he stood by me and he said, guess what? I know what to do. <laughs> So he put a metal tube in me that had some uh, cancer-fighting stuff on it. And he put that in, and to this day, that that stamp is still working. So that was a blessing. Yeah. So, like I said, when I came home, I still, I still felt awful. I just felt awful all the time. People would say, well, how do you feel? And I thought in my head, awful. <laughs> I, I either felt a little bit awful or a whole bunch awful. Right. But it was always awful. Awful. So then um, I had this hernia that came on my wound, my surgical wound, which made it so that my uh, surgical wound would not heal. I went for an entire year with an open wound on my stomach. An entire year. So that was just awful so they couldn't start chemo until that healed up a little while but it wasn't healing so the doctor said well we're going to have to start your chemo anyway so i had the surgery in june and i didn't start chemo until august 
And I kept thinking, guys, we got to get rid of this tumor. You can't just, you know. So I finally yeah. started, but I was scared to death. I was so scared. I was so scared. And I remember I sat there and they were putting, well, I had a, a port calf They were putting, you know, the tubes in my port calf And like I said before, there, there was nothing I could do to stop it. I had I had to do it. I was totally out of control. I had no control. And I'm just a person, Audrey, that, that likes oh. to be in control. Yeah. But I couldn't control it. So I remember just crying and <laughs> crying my first chemo thing. And then I got the chemo and it was like, honestly, it was like no big deal. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, it went through my veins and it, you know, I'm fine. You know, yeah. and, I felt pretty good, but then I, I had chemo every twice a week. You know, I had it like twice a week, and one time I had it three times a week. So I had a lot of chemo, and it was the big gun. Yeah. And so um, it just ma kept making me sicker and sicker and sicker. And I lost weight, and I could not eat, Audrey. I love to eat. Yeah. And you I couldn't cook. I couldn't cook because it made me no nope, couldn't cook couldn't eat people would bring me stuff and it's like you're like this is just not how it is yes I thank you but and I only thing I ate I had three eggs in the morning strange and if dad did it right I would eat instant breakfast as long as he put ice cubes in it <laughs> and brought it to me in a in the hospital mug with the straw. <laughs> if it wasn't like that, I couldn't eat. Couldn't do it. No, I couldn't eat where people, other people were eating. It was just, it was horrible. And they said, you have to eat. And I'm like, okay. Could you, you couldn't taste, right? I couldn't taste, but everything had a really strange texture to it. And it all just tasted like cardboard. Yeah. I would have in my mind but the food would taste like, you know, like licorice or yeah. mashed potatoes. And then I would eat it and it would, it would be putrid. It would be horrible. Yeah. yeah. So I couldn't eat. So anyway, around uh, my 45th anniversary, I was sick, sick. But I had a PET scan. And um, it said the cancer was spreading. Was spreading. And my um, cancer marker is supposed to be like zero. Mine was a thousand. So cancer was everywhere. So they're like, we're just going to take you off because it's not helping. And right. that, was, that was in December of 2019. So it was just, honestly, I, I thought I was going to die. Well, we, we were preparing. We were preparing for you to die. I was. I was yeah. preparing. And my followers know because I talked to them about it, mom. And yeah. so I would, I would talk to them about, I'm like, I'm preparing for my mom to die. These, these are the steps that I'm taking. And so it was, it was, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And I felt like the sad part was all of you. Because I felt like you guys were sad. And I kept thinking, why is this happening to my beautiful children? They don't need to go through this. This is awful. Yeah. You know, just, just stop it. I don't need to see them hurting because I knew you guys were. 
And I felt like some of you were stopping your lives. You know, it's like, no, you've got to keep living. Yeah. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep doing and, you know, becoming. Yeah. You know, so I was kind of at peace with the idea that I was going to die. How did you get to that point, though, Mom? You know what I mean? Like how I'm like, I know that, I mean, we've had conversations and different things like that. But you, I mean, you went, it was like, how long from, when did you find out that you had cancer till you knew you were getting off when you, when you, they were like, your terminal, we're not doing anymore. When was that? Like, when was cancer? What was the first day that you had cancer that you knew of? Um, it would be the end of May. And I, yeah. and I had the surgery June, June 5th. Yeah. So June 5th to December, in that amount of time, mm -hmm. you you came to the the conclusion that you were you were okay to die, like you were you were at peace if it had to be that way. How did how did that work for you? How how could you come to that point? I guess I'm not mad. I'm not mad that you did. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, but, I know. Um, um, I guess again, it's my faith. I believe that there's a life hereafter and that I will be with my family forever. Yeah. So that gave me peace. And I was just, I was just so sick. Yeah. And tired of being sick. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Maybe dying is a better thing. Yeah. Maybe I don't have to suffer through all this garbage. You know? Yeah. You don't eat in heaven, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Or you eat the most glorious things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think it was just that. It was, and it was like I said before, there was nothing I could do. Yeah. My body was taking over. Yeah. The cancer was spreading and I could not stop it. Yeah. I couldn't stop it. And I remember laying on that couch in the living room because I couldn't stand to be in the bedroom. Right. <laughs> and just thinking... <sighs> I'm just, you know, just give me a miracle or something. Just do something because I'm suffering. This is not, this yeah. is not good. And I, I remember pe seeing people that would go to work after their cancer treatments and that would do other things. And I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky. But I would try really hard for everyone's sake and for dad's sake to get up and like try and do the dishes. <laughs> You know, and do yeah. the laundry and just try and get up and get to Do you think that that was beneficial to you, the the fact of trying to get up? Or do you think that, do you think that helped you? Yeah. With everything now? Yeah. Because I, I think I could have just laid there. And yeah. Just said, just said fine. And, get, and just gave up and moved on. Yeah. And allowed it to come. Yeah. Yeah. But I kind of wanted to see my grandkids grow up. Yeah. So I was yeah. fighting. I was fighting. Yeah. So, and then December, they said, your terminal, mm -hmm. we're taking you off the chemo. And I mean, that was, I mean, we had, hard, everybody had hard conversations with you and yeah. with everything else, you know. And so where did you go from that point forward? So your terminal, it's in December. You're thinking, you're just prepared. Like we moved you guys out of the house. Like we, you know, yeah. we were getting dad ready and preparing dad, you know. I can't, I kind of moved out of the house because I was concerned about dad. Yeah. That's because what I mean. I, we, were, we were preparing for dad. 
Yeah, because I did say to him, if I die, would you stay in the house? And he goes, probably not. Yeah. You know, and I thought it was easier to get rid of all that junk and everything, you know. So uh, I was even thinking how my funeral would be. I was thinking, maybe I better write this down. So people know. Yeah. You know? So it was... It was hard to know that all of you and dad would be alone. Yeah. That was the part that was hard for me, honestly. My stuff, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about. Well, I couldn't do anything about you guys either. But then um, the doctor said, well, there is one thing we can try. And he says, it's an immunotherapy treatment that uses my own T cells to fight the cancer. I'm like, whatever because I heard about trials and stuff and I thought well yeah. maybe I've got the wrong doctor or I should have went to the cancer place in Salt Lake or <laughs> you know but my doctor knew about this and his um, PA uh, Jan Jan Davis anyway so um, I had this certain what was it I had an MCI high that was in my whatever as part of my DNA. And because I had that, I, I um, qualified for this trial. And I had to have had chemotherapy first. So anyway, it was the same thing I said before, it just all aligned in the right place. Yeah. You know, Heavenly Father blessed me, honestly. Yeah. And so anyway, the next time I went in for my appointment, Jan said, Okay, we're going to get you set up for Keytruda. And I'm like, right now, you have it all figured out. Yeah, he, she goes, oh, yeah. And I said, well, does our insurance cover it and all that? She goes, oh, yeah, I got all that taken care of. So here you go and go get your treatment. Well, before chemo, I should have told you this, but chemo was like five, six hours. Yeah. yeah and it was and then I have would have to come in twice a week for hydration. And so it took it took me. It just took you. Day. Yeah. Yeah, and I had blood clots and uh, yeah. all sorts of stuff that yeah. was scary. It was yeah, really you scary. went you went to the ICU a few times. Yeah, yeah, where we uh, where like Dad would call like text us all in the group text, and we're like, "This is it." I would tell Cody, "I'm like, hey, yeah. be prepared," you know. Yeah, and it was a few times that it was that way that we just assumed that you would go in there and you wouldn't come out. Yeah. I had blood, blood transfusions, and I was getting pneumonia, and I had oxygen. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was hard for me even just to go up the stairs yeah. and out to the mailbox. Yeah. So, anyway, that's how I was. And so, when, when they said, let's try something new, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do. So, I started that December the 28th. And... Uh, as, as it went on, I had one or two treatments. I was starting to feel a little better, and I could almost eat. Yeah. Yeah. I could almost cook. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is okay. And I would go in, and everything was looking fine. And uh, it was about five treatments. And she said, let's, let's uh, have a PET scan again. And that shows you where your cancer is in your body. Right. So I had the PET scan, and this was, I remember very specifically, it was in April that I had the PET scan. 
and um, starting to feel better. My hair was getting thicker. I never did lose my hair, but it was getting really thin and looking really yes. ugly. <laughs> you are gorgeous. I looked like death warmed over. I really did. I looked pretty bad. So anyway, um, so dad is able to get the uh, results of things on his phone. So I was in the sewing room and he came in and said, Carolyn, you will not believe this. And so he shows me the phone and I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then he says, your cancer marker is seven. So you went from over a thousand to seven. To seven with five treatments of Keytruda, five treatments. So I, I believe it was a miracle. Mm -hmm. I believe the scientists that discovered Keytruda and the doctors that knew how to get it to me and that I had that certain MSI high thing. Right. And it all brought it together. And it, yeah. was, it was a miracle. It was yeah. a miracle. I, I will never forget that day. It was just, I can't, I can't even explain it. Yeah. It was like, yay. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. live. Yeah. I'm going to live. What's that? And then I had another pet scan that's so reminded me over here. Yeah. Just recently, no tumors. Everything's yeah. gone. There's no Everything. tumor on my liver. There's no tumor in my bile duct. And I had to get my uh, stent cleaned out. Mm -hmm. And at that time, he tested my stent to see if there were any cancer cells on the stent. Yeah. No. 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 Nothing. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. I can't explain it. It's just, yeah. it's a miracle of science. And for some reason, my life was spared. And I keep thinking, why? What, what should I be doing? Yeah. You know, what? Why? Can why you am I spared? Well, why do you think that you is there? Do you have any reason now that you think why you would be? Well, I said I said that one time to Dad. I said, "Why am I still here?" And he pointed yeah. at himself. He yeah. said, "For me, mm -hmm. for your family." Yeah. So, and then COVID hit. You <laughs> <laughs> can't see the family, so what's the point of that? <laughs> but you're still here. Because yeah. you had that all that wonderful time because dad retired. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. you have all that time with dad now that you Absolutely. haven't. You know, yeah. that. But you're also you're very wise, mom. And you're very um, I think us as your children need you to be here to help us through our adult life still. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's still you went through things that we haven't gone through that we need help with and, and to help us raise our own families and to do our own things in that sense too. I think it's a vital thing for you to still be here for us to, to know all that kind of stuff. So, you yeah. know, yeah, I think of it that way too. I think I'm here for my family and that's enough. Yeah. I don't need to be here for some other amazing profound thing. I'm, I'm just here for my family. Well, I think that everybody thinks that there's always these big, huge, profound things, but you beating cancer is a profound thing. Huge. It's huge. It's a, it's a huge thing. Yeah. And that the simplicity of, of being able to still continue to love, 
your husband and your family and those around you and to, to support us in different manners. That's a huge thing. Those are big things to do in your life. And yeah. your life doesn't necessarily need to be full of success and money and all of these things that we as society oh, thinks yeah. is so important. It's all the simple little tiny moments that you offered. Like when we talked about how like we did all of those trips and we did all of these things and you taught us to be independent and you did all of those kind of stuff too. You taught us through your cancer also how to learn to continue to live. Right. Mm. And I mean, you have multiple children that you had to walk this all through. Yeah. Dealing, dealing with the fact that we're going to lose like our foundation. And because I remember specifically, um, I was there with you in the hospital before, uh, on the day that they were going to cut you, that they cut you open when they were supposed to remove everything. Yeah. And I, and I like was hugging you goodbye. And you said, Audrey, you are going to live and you are yep. going to continue to live regardless if I, if something happens to me in this moment or later on in life, your job is just to continue to live and to live boldly. And like you reminded me that I was a lot, like you gave me permission to continue to do that, even right. in my despair about it all. Yeah. You know, so I think that is what is a vital thing for you. Even with you having, um, you know, beat cancer, you know, it's still giving us the permission to continue to do that. Right. Could you imagine, mom, could you imagine if you were gone during COVID with that? and with everything else. Yeah, it would have been hard. It would have been way harder. It would have been really hard on dad to be here alone. Yeah. And really hard on all you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been hard. You're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're right. So I take every day, to me, every day is a gift. Yeah. One more day of life. You know, it's just, how can people squander their life? <laughs> Look at what yeah. you're doing. Like yeah. you said, make experiences. Enjoy each other. Enjoy the world. Enjoy your talents. Enjoy yeah. sitting in front of the TV watching your favorite show. Enjoy it. Enjoy everything. Because yeah. it can go like that. Yeah. I never thought I, mean, I was going to have cancer. Yeah. Not, not so young. I mean, I really am young. I'm only 66. Yeah. That's young. That's young in old age. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. Like, so. it's still, I mean, you still have, I mean, you still have a few daughters that don't have kids and you know what I mean so it was it's yeah. still yeah it still was young yeah. to even to worry about having cancer and having us go through that struggle with you on that so well good I hope that's what you guys got out of it is that you can carry on yeah that you can do hard things Audrey yeah you can still be successful yeah well and I think that's what's so great about it is the fact that the beauty and the simplicity and the beauty and the hard, um, regardless if it's something that is something that's a struggle, it's still worth going through that struggle to get us to this other side of things, you know? And I think yeah. that even, even how you were so gracious and so um, thoughtful during, during the time that you were unable to even get up off the couch, like you were still there like we would ask, I'm like, I, for me, like I asked you to write me letters. Like, I'm like, give me things that I'm going to have forever of you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And you still, and you were, you're like, okay, I'll do that for you because you, you provided the love that we all needed, even when you couldn't 
function and control your body anymore. And that in itself showed us, right, your children for us to continue to move through even the difficult things because you were. And, and you did that not knowing that you were going to have a miracle at the end of your tunnel. No, no, you know, I never thought I, I used to hear of stories of people beating their cancer. Yeah. Thinking, oh, that's just a story. They told me I was terminal. I had months. Yeah. I had months. And so. Yeah. yeah we, I, I'm, for me, it was like any time. It was like yeah. any time it's, I'm going to get a call and it's going to be the end. And then what do we do from there? You know? Yeah. And so just, um, yeah. And then to, and I, even like, even when you guys told us that you have, you were like at zero markers, I was like, yeah, liar. No, yeah, I don't believe you. Yeah, seven. It never went. To There's me. lots of. I'm like, no, tell me the truth. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah, I know. It was hard for me to believe too. And we, when we went to the doctor, Jan was like, I can't believe it because she told me at the beginning of the treatment. Yeah, she said, now don't be too concerned because usually when you start Keytruda, your cancer markers are going to go up. Yeah, because it's just your cells going crazy. It yeah. never did. It yeah. went down and down and down and down and down. Yeah. So, yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. The only only way I can say it is it was a miracle. All yeah. I can say. Do you do you now on the outside after looking death in the face? Do you what what's like? Is there something particular that you would think? Oh, this is how. Do you look back on your life and, and have, you know how people say, oh, you, you're at your deathbed, you have all of the memories pass by, you see all the things that you could have done, all the things that you wish you could have done, and all of that kind of stuff. Do you see that now with you passing that by and having this opportunity? Was there anything in your life that you're like, okay, this is now what I'm going to move forward and to do because I didn't have that opportunity before I was at death store? Or do you look at everything and be like, okay, that's exactly what I was supposed to be. I was supposed to do all of those things to get me to this point. Well, I think all of the things that we went through, uh, through all our life, we had a lot of challenges. Yeah. Made it to this point where I had to face cancer, made it easier because I knew yeah. that you can get through stuff. Right. But the, the regrets, I think I wish I would have spent more time with my family and my grandkids. Cause I think it was, sometimes it was like, Oh, I, you know, can't come over today or right. Can't do this because I've got to, I've got to sew or I've got to do this. I've got to do Girl Scouts. I've got to do all this other stuff, you know? Right. And I think I would have maybe put the family first and said, okay, we're going to go do this and I will do this later. It's because I don't ever feel that though. I never oh, felt I never, like, so when you said that, I was like, mom, you've spent so much time with us. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you mean. Oh, good. Um, good. Yeah. So that's interesting that your regret is maybe to have more things than that. But I, like, I never felt that at all from you. Um, you were always there when I needed you to be there. I mean, you would have, you learned, you helped me learn how to sew dolls again and start my business and went to farmer's markets with me. So. Well, let's put it on the other side, Audrey. You were the one after years and years and years and years of not sewing and just going to work, cooking dinner, yeah, watching a movie, not accomplishing things. You were the one who said, Mom, I made Gunner a blessing outfit. And you said, Mom, you could sell that. 
<laughs> I'm like, what in the world talking about? So you were the one that got me interested in sewing again. And I really appreciate that. Because yeah. sewing is a good outlet for me. Yeah. And I'm back to sewing now. I mean, yeah. after my cancer treatments, my chemo left me with, with uh, what do you call it? What's in my hands and feet? What's, neuropathy. <laughs> thank you. Sometimes I can't think of a word. With neuropathy in my hands, yeah, my wrists, my feet, and my legs. And so sometimes that stings and hurts. Yeah. So I can sew and I can forget about stuff and I can just go in my place. Yeah. So that's good. And reading. You're getting me writing again. Oh, are you writing again? No, not yet. I'm reading the book yeah. first. You are, see, you always used to write children's stories all the time. Yeah, I did. And you got one published. It was an you article. Got, yeah, you got an article. Well, You're back, a great writer. Back when um, dad was in the army, I was interested in writing. And there was an article in a magazine that said children's writing class that you could take. Yeah. And so I, I got into that. And every, every month they would send me information about writing something. So that's kind of how I was into that. Yeah, got into that. You, yeah, you really enjoyed well. it. We, yeah. yeah. Have to, we have a bunch of your stories that we'll have to just publish one time <laughs> on different things. Oh, man. <laughs> Why, I'll have Wyatt do the illustration. And you oh, can... I would love that. He's so talented. He's good. He's good. Yeah, he is. Good. Yeah. Oh, good, Mom. <laughs> so, so is there anything for the wisdom of Carolyn as a mom who's been through infertility issues? through all of the junk that we went through in our teenage years and to beating cancer and seeing your life at this point forward, is there any words of wisdom that you would give to everybody that's watching and to listening? Probably that things, things get better. That don't feel lost or discouraged or hopeless. Because yeah. things, things get better. Um, situations change. Um, I don't know, people change. Yeah. Med medical results change. Just things get better. Things get better. Yeah. And love life. <laughs> love life. Exactly. I was just looking through the comments to see if there's anything that everybody's saying, mom, that they love you and that they had. A few of them had had parents too that's had cancer and different things like that. And they remember late conversations that they would have. Mm -hmm. um, and how one of her, like somebody's mother, grandmother, used to taste pennies when she couldn't taste anything instead of cardboard. So she would taste pennies and you would taste cardboard. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Um, but is there any other, like if there, we'll give a second to you guys if there's any questions or anything that you have. Um, I know that I've asked people questions before, but you pretty much answered them because they asked a lot about, like, how, was there something in your life that you wanted um, to to do and you didn't know how to get to that point and how to challenge that. And I think that you answered that with, with the fact of you, with the adoption, right? Like you knew that you wanted to do that and you took steps to just moving forward. And then it was just more of like, how, do you, how did you deal with things after cancer? Mm. Um, yeah. 
But if, if there's any of you guys that have anything else that, that you want to ask my mom, this is the time to ask her something. Unless you have anything else that you want to share, mom, too. Anything, if you look back on your whole life, besides you think the big stories that you have would be, but for me, like me looking at your life, I know that your trials with cancer and I know your trials with, were with children. Um, is there anything else that you like, oh, well, I think with the children part, that's another regret. I think I should have uh, not worried about him so much and not taken it, taken it so personal. Yeah. And just realized, don't, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Because they grow up. They make good, good choices. They move forward. Yeah. And so just stop worrying. How do you, but here's my thing, because like I am in a family with all young kids, right? And so now that you are raising adults, how is it different for that? Adults are much harder. Is it? Are they? Because, are for example, maybe you still can do this with Wyatt. I don't know. He's getting to be a preteen. <laughs> but you can talk to them. Yeah. And you can scold them. Yeah. You can make them wash the garbage wall. You can <laughs> do all those kind of things. But then when your children are adults, you have to bite your tongue. Yeah. And you have to just watch them live their life. You know, yeah. and just hope that they figure it out and pray that they'll be successful. Yeah. That's all you can do. Just support them. Yeah. And, and, uh, glory in their life yeah yeah so. and we're all we're all so opinionated oh. oh we're all so different yeah very different every single one of us yeah it's funny because when you were all little we, we used to go to the mall and to the stores and stuff and they'd say oh you guys have such a cute little daycare I'm like no those are my kids <laughs> And so you were all just, you know, step stools. And yeah. so you seemed all alike. Yeah. But as you grew and grew into your personalities, totally different. Yeah. Totally different. And different than me. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, yeah, I agree with that. I think we're definitely, but I think it's because you allowed us to be so independent. You know what I mean? That it, it gave us the ability to, to fully be in our own selves. Like it wasn't something that it was like, for me anyway, and just my experience of being raised by you, it wasn't something that I was like, okay, well, I can't be who I am. Like, like you, like I was loud and annoying and would like sit in the middle of the road and like sneak out of the house and like, do all of these <laughs> Yeah, put paper clips in my ears for earrings. And yeah, and it was just, it wasn't something that it was ever where to the point that I needed it to be like, where I didn't feel comfortable enough to, to be there, you know, to, to be in your home and different things for me, you know? And so yeah. it was just because you allowed us to be so independent and, and the fact that you're, even as an adult, you're allowing us to be independent. That's very, I, I appreciate that because I like my space, you know? Yeah. Well, I always felt like I have so much in my own life that I have to deal with my cancer, my neuropathy, growing older, a new house, you know what I mean? Yeah why would I want to spend hours and hours worrying about you guys and trying to yeah. fix your problems? I don't want to. Right. You have them. You know? Yeah. And exactly. it's good to see you work it out. Yeah. 
because it's like, wow, yeah. yeah, yeah, look at her, look who she's become. Yeah, it's a good thing. No, and I'm grateful for it. So, and I'm grateful that you're still alive, and I'm happy that Dad gets to spend all the time with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. it's been nice. It's yeah. been nice. That's so good. Well, cool. Well, I'm gonna. Um, if there's, they just said that they're just so happy that you're still here, and that they thank you for sharing your wisdom. Um, with everybody about with how you went through everything and so um we're happy that you're here and that you're still alive mom so you know, it's good you know what and i think that you don't need to ask why it's you and why you are still here i think that you know that you are here to just shine love and joy and, and let and live the simple things and that's what the the whole point of life is right yeah is to those moments and you get to have more moments and that's what's just grand about it and so I'm happy that you get to have those moments. Well, I've learned I'm enough. Yeah. I'm who I am. I'm enough. Yeah. So that gives me peace. Yeah. 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 So love you, Audrey. I love you too. Okay. <laughs> then I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. Okay. You good I'll night. cook dinner. I can cook dinner now. And eat you can cook dinner. You have to. And you'll get to taste it. It won't taste like cardboard or yes. pennies. That's right. It's so bad. That's right. Okay. I love you, Mom. Love you, too. See ya. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> All right. There you go. So that was my mother. Um, so I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Um, so this is connected conversations. This is what I'd like to do. Like on, you know, I, I have a little link in my, in my bio right now that you can sign up. I just want to be able to have like open conversations with you about whatever it is that you've gone through in your life and kind of um, just learn from you and from your experiences and different things. And I will just be here to, to kind of walk us through all of that kind of stuff and, and to cry with you and to love with you and to, laugh with you and to do all of those things with you that is my goal um, and that's what I look forward to doing for this year so if you are interested and you want to just join me on a live like this um, you can go sign up um, I have just like it's just going through information and kind of what you want to share and then I'll be sending out an email um, to you when uh, we're ready to do that and then we'll set up a time to have this kind of live together um, yeah so I hope you enjoyed it. Like, I think it was good to have my mom on first. Like she, she definitely had, I mean, we didn't hit everything or like we didn't hit everything that she's ever gone through in her life. And so we just hit the big, the big things for her, which was the infertility as well as her cancer and surviving that, which was just mind bowling. Like you guys know, like if you've been here for a while, how, how much that affected me. Um, and so it was just nice to be able to have a conversation with her, with you. So, um, yeah. There we go. And if you have any more questions or anything like that, you can definitely shoot a comment and I'll, I'm hoping to save this. Um, and then if you want to join and have a conversation with me like this, um, I hope you do. And you can just go sign up for it in the bio. Thanks guys. I'll see you later.